Start your day the KUAM way with our new streaming shows on Facebook Live each weekday. Here's your starting lineup. Mondays, we'll give you a glimpse into our morning meetings with the KUAM news team. Tuesdays, join our group chat with Chris Barnett. Wednesdays, it's crime time with the island's law enforcers. Thursdays, get the latest info with Dave Delgado, who's in the zone. And Fridays, we get Fit AF, fitness and fun. And the best part, all our shows are completely interactive, so you're directly part of the conversation. Join us Monday through Friday starting at 9 a.m. Start your day the KUAM way. Hafenay, everybody, and welcome to Real Talk. Jason Salas here. Thank you so much for listening to us on the KUM Podcast Network. We sincerely do appreciate your audible patronage, and we invite you to check out all of our other shows because we've got some really, really cool things coming up. But you know what? You can only continue to get this if you give us a rating and a review. So we want to make sure that our super cool on-demand audio format programming gets to as many people as possible so please give us a rating and review if you're on itunes or if you're on soundcloud let us know and then it'll pop up we want to grow our audience and we want to continue to bring you guys super awesome stuff like the topic we are talking about today best of gay cinema we got a really really good panel asha and ken are actually on assignment right now so i have brought in the movie expertise of three friends of mine making her Noe, how many appearances have you made like on the show? This is number four? I want to say four or five. Four. Lucky number four. Four was my jersey number in volleyball, so that's a good number. Should we go with four? Yeah, let's okay. go with four. So we'll go with four. Okay, and anybody else can look it up and certainly put in the comments if we're wrong. Uh, we're also bringing in Nathan Lazama, who is interning with us in Uno. Half a day, Nathan. Hello, everybody. How are you guys? Very, very good to have you here. I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, <laughs> and then Lacey Martinez-Francisco. Auntie Lacey. Half a day. I... Uh, I forgot what the tomorrow. What do I say when you say hi, Auntie? Um, bless you, boy. Bless you, boy. <laughs> okay, Ken, how do you say it? I forgot. I'm, a, I'm so ashamed. Well, it's audio, so nobody. I was going to say not. No, nobody can see if I'm on you or not right now. So let's just assume that I am. Just a duty. There you go. Just your duty, girl. Just your duty. There you go. My nephew. thank you very much. Well, it is good to have you guys, and of course, we want to thank our sponsors. The very fine folks at Tango Theater. Who this weekend there will be a lot of people at the theater watching. The hemispherical premiere, I should say, because we are going to be some of the first people in the world to see X-Men Dark Phoenix. Hell yeah. I know I'm not the only... The only person who's probably a bigger X-Men geek than I am is Lacey. So, Lacey, you've actually got the the company's coolest X-Men coffee mug. And that's old school X-Men. Oh, yeah. And this is actually around the time when when the Dark Phoenix saga was actually coming out. So, how stoked are you to actually watch... uh, I'm pretty excited, except that I got to say that I hardly watch Marvel films because since that first X-Men movie, it was just like, eh. Was that the year 2000 when it came out? Yeah. It was just, I walked out like, and growing up with this, and then it was just okay. Well, I got to tell you guys, everybody hears it. Okay. Nobody can see if you're But wait, let me, let me say something because yes. we're going to get back to the point here, which what we're talking about, <laughs> Jason. <laughs> the X-Men also feels like an allegory to, you know gay people um gosh i can't I remember lo- which I would love one to hear how you can make that connection. well think about oh, yeah. gosh which x-men was it it's one of the big movies where archangel was like in this building in san francisco kind of contemplating himself like hating himself oh that trying was, to um, cut his wings off x3 right because of the way oh no, 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 no. That, that was the last one that was apocalypse no 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 no, no. But when he was getting drunk and he was like i think it's like two or three so do you guys remember what i'm talking about archangel mm. he was cutting his wings off and Technically, Warren Worthington the, the third, right? And the people, X Men, were were mutants are basically being treated. No, as, he was not cutting his own. His father was trying to cut, trying to sever his. No, wings. he was in like the bathroom. Like it was, it was kind of like watching, you know, um, like a movie about a, a gay kid who was just so upset with his, himself because his father couldn't is outside well, hating on right. Well, he's hating on gay people downstairs, and here he is, not gay people, mutants. But it's kind of like what it was. Maybe that's why I liked the X-Men growing up. That's actually a really interesting point. Uh, because I feel as someone who's always been very, very nerdy and someone who has basically taken deep dives into anything I've taken interest in. You know, I, I don't like everything that comes down the pike, but but what I do, I tend to really, really get into. X-Men always resonated with me like way more so than Avengers just because 
they were the outcasts. They were the they were the dweebs, you know, the ones that everybody made fun of and everything like that. And that that really spoke to me. Yeah, it's the idea of an otherness that that's super present in queer film, gay film. I feel like most people would relate to because in X Men, it's like a literal otherness. Like they're people called mutants, and like they're separated from the rest of society, right? In like the house. I'm not really a big X Men girly, but. This is what I remember. But yeah, going back to gay film, it's the idea of an otherness that some people can debate upon, like how it's represented. Like when we were talking earlier, like you really either get it super right or super wrong or Mm. people love to debate it. Nathan, would you agree? Yeah, I'd say the same thing because I'm the kind of person, like when I was growing up, I was also a kind of nerd, but I wasn't really into like DC or Marvel. I was more into like the Sailor Moon kind of thing. So Mm -hmm. I looked up to those people who were like different and kind of had like that different kind of power kind of thing. So I get the idea how the connection could be made with like Marvel and DC or um, Marvel, DC. Well, I got to tell you guys, one one thing is undisputed, regardless of, you know, connections you want to make or allegories you want to uh, infer. Sophie Turner, a couple weeks ago, Sansa Stark became the Queen of the North. And the queen of the Joe Bros. And yeah, uh, exactly. True. And then in about three days and everything like that, she's going to become Dark Phoenix. So Sophie Turner is having the best month ever. <laughs> yeah, no, I was a big fan of her even way before she was married to Joe Jonas because I'm a big Joe Jonas fan. So when I saw her in um, Apocalypse, I was living my best life. It was I was so yeah, ready. She's tall, huh? Yeah. Really tall. She's a tall person. Yeah, she's taller than Joe. Yeah, yeah I, I just saw her on, like, Jimmy Fallon and everything. She was looking down yeah, on Yeah, let me tell you, she wears a jumpsuit well. She wears a jumpsuit correctly. That's all I have to say. She has the legs work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you're going to watch um, Dark Phoenix this weekend? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. All right. Maybe I'll... I'm going to check it out. I think all four of us no. are going to go... Okay, well, we'll come back next week and we'll talk about that. But, yeah. but yeah. the topic at hand right now, I mean, we, we've, you know, touched on it briefly, but uh, gay cinema. So first of all, here's a two-part question, and let's go around the room and talk about this. What exactly qualifies a movie to be considered you know these days we've got netflix hulu categorization right what exactly qualifies a film to be considered proper gay cinema and is that term even accurate politically correct is it i mean is it even necessary anymore because you know we've got inclusion and we've got diversity and you know every you know humanity is one now so is is that term like limited well okay since i've been i've taken a few film classes and the thing about yeah, because you're kind of smart. Not, not, but the thing about queer film theory is that, like, every film professor tries to work it into, like, any theory, whether it be, like, film noir and, like, detective fiction films or, like, I don't know, something as obscure as, like, horror films. Like, it's trying to be wedged into every category, which, like, it's amazing that professors try to see that representation everywhere. But then, as a student, I kind of get, I don't know, confused as to what, does qualify as gay film and then things that are pointed out as like actual gay film i feel like are just completely othering people like you said earlier um what if someone made um a category of films specifically for puerto rican people that would kind of seem derogatory to me because i i don't just watch those films you know so and you are half puerto rican and i am half puerto rican so i don't know it's it's a really confusing time to put a label on films that are made about or for um, LG, the LGBTQ plus community because, like, we're trying to break down those barriers, I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, celebrate those people, but also not exclude them from the rest of the community because mm-hmm. they're the same as us, sexual orientation, sexual orientation, period. Nathan, how do you feel about this? I'm going to go off of that because, like you said, the whole labeling of movies, because a lot of people will label gay cinema as, like, Mean Girls or um, The Hot Chick, just those movies that everyone can find that one kind of homosexual person and be like, oh, that definitely needs to be the main character, so it's definitely a... um, a gay cinema kind of genre of movie. But for me, I know this might seem weird, but a gay cinema movie has to be based around a homosexual trying to, I guess, come out, or just that whole kind of story thing to help other people who are watching the movie kind of help guide them through however their coming out story is. So the way I kind of pinpoint it is something a little bit more specific. I don't know how to... You're hmm. looking for a gay narrative. Yes, I think that's so definitely to it. classify it as in a particular in a gay narrative, you're telling a gay story, mm-hmm. and and for me that's not necessarily we don't really need that. And overall, in the industry, we're we're talking about representation. So yes, you may see a few gay characters here and there. Yes, there are a few storylines, but 
if you were to really look at the data, not that many movies that have a lot of inclusion. So I would, you know, I do think that there should be, you know, a gay character. I mean, who doesn't have a gay friend nowadays? Exactly. Who yeah. doesn't have a gay family member? So not being able to see yourself in cinema, that's a big thing for me, you know, like for, um, I mean, between me and my wife, we, we're looking for, for those narratives too. We want to watch that. And she'll stop watching shows, TV shows, if it stops, you know, like they allude to it and then nothing happens. Mm-hmm. Like, why are you just teasing us? Why are you, where are, where's us? Where's our story? Tell our story. Yeah. Right. But for me, not all movies have to have this um, gay experience. Um, I can't wait to the day, you know, where movies are just people, where yeah. I'm just a regular person and, mm-hmm. and I can be in a movie and, and have a wife and it's not a thing. There aren't that many movies that really do that mm-hmm. or do it well, at least. Like, like I'm old enough to remember because I worked at Blockbuster in college. I've told the story a million times, but, but I tend to think <laughs> of, ter- of things in terms of, of the categorization of films and like say when something like Brokeback Mountain which was a transformative film like really came out the first thing I'm thinking of is okay I would not classify that as a gay film I would say that that was a proper romance or it was it was a drama and you would put it in that you know in that category you have yeah. four you have four or five main genres and everything and you don't keep subdividing and everything like that because it just becomes well we, we want to because that's our human nature is to want to categorize and for people like me we want to be able to look up you know in a in a search engine and like what are the best LGBTQ movies mm-hmm. I can watch because yeah. we want to see we want to see our stories mm-hmm. you know so that's why we we categorize okay, okay so that that was the that was the nitty gritty out of the way now let's talk about some actual movies you guys let's let's actually drill into this and say like oh, what what are some what are some examples of really good gay cinema now that we've kind of like defined define what that well, is. Well, oh, I want to say that yes, if you're please. looking at our panel here, we're very different people. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, Generationally. Yeah. I don't interests. even want to ask like what anybody here identifies as, but I do identify somewhere in the spectrum of the LGBTQ, mm-hmm. you know, community. So, um, and it's not just that. It's actually like age difference, generational yeah. difference. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm an old lady. So what oh, I I'm, I'm what, yes. eight years older, than and you me? are much older than I am. Yeah. So I'm a no, you're not. The 80s. Right. So so again, for for right. me, I'm coming from a very a very ignorant time. Let's just say when you know when um, gay par- characters would be portrayed in a certain way. Um, more often than not, that would be as comic relief a lot of times, very unfairly. And then in the '90s, I remember, and I was very happy to see so that um, that characters that were homosexual were specifically men were portrayed as the epitome of sophistication and, and yeah. they knew more about they were um they made more money they were very um highly educated you know mm-hmm. they were they knew of the arts and they were they were very well spoken mm. but i would also say that this may not be on the screen but the 80s were well from what i've like learned and like seen in documentaries they were very like big time for a lot of like my minority groups like if you look at Paris is Burning like the first of its kind amazing film if you haven't seen it but you love the FX series Pose you have to watch Paris is Burning because it's real people from the 80s doing their thing the category is blank and it's just so crazy to me that that film was you know filmed in the 80s because you you don't think of like drag culture one really being like started from black trans women and just like black drag queens to being started in the 80s which was like kind of a weird cultural time it's very like vibrant but also like confusing in terms of like vibe so it i feel like little smaller films kind of helped smaller films ran so that bigger films could like sprint or what am i saying walk and then sprint mm-hmm. even exactly. edm culture music that yeah. erupted yeah. out of the gay scene oh my dad always talks about how he and we pass it all the time when um he's visiting me in boston how he went to this one gay bar not because he's gay but because he had friends in the lgbtq plus community and how people think of like gay bars as just like a really like froofy like um, very like vibrant, I guess. What, what's that word I said to you? I don't know. Anyways, very exuberant place. But no, he talked about how there were like a variety of different people there, and how he'd like see people like getting in fights on the outside and like DJs. So I don't know. It's kind of cool to like see that representation 
in its time, like through yeah. Paris's burning. That's the only one I could think of, but still such a huge one. Like people talk about it all the time. Yeah. No, I really loved Paris's burning because it didn't just bring out the whole gay scene and the gay culture, but it also brought out drag, brought out drag culture. Because mm-hmm. a lot of um, terms that a lot of the younger generation use now come from the drag culture, from the ballroom scene that's portrayed in Paris's burning. And a lot of the like a lot of the dance moves that you know dancers would use now are from the ball scene. And the whole tens, tens, tens across the board, that's pretty iconic for movies that are, are for gay characters that are being represented now. So it's the very, yeah, it's, it just comes out, the Vogue scene is really what inspired me, especially to be a dancer. So I really just love the whole idea of all that mixed up in one movie. The 80s was a very gay time. I'm not going to even Absolutely. lie about that. There was so much androgyny happening. I mean, boy, George. And then, of course, came oh, out, yeah. came up, came yes. from the 70s when we had the disco movement. We have the to pay. And the 60s when you had free love. We have to pay tribute to the king himself, David Bowie. Um, I just read the best essay about how he was a he was kind of like a knight in the fight for androgyny. Like, he wore, like, the tightest tights on stage and like did makeup and he was really Ziggy like stardust sure yes yeah. one of the first of his kind he wore wigs and like did not give a shit what people thought sorry can i say that yeah. okay um just have to do that i love david bowie he is like my What's your mom gonna do fire you? <laughs> no. we'll see marie sorry <laughs> I, I actually think it would it would be more egregious that you called your mom by her first name than rather and you cussed, but you know that again. We, that's a generational thing. It's yeah. It's a uh, me and my mom. I don't know. Anyways. No, you guys are cool. <laughs> hey, home, they, Bart Simpson calls his da- calls his dad Homer. And, well, okay, way up. Um, okay, you talked about drag culture just just a little, few minutes ago, right? Have you guys seen the movie Tu Wong Fu? Thanks for everything. Love Julie. Tu Wong Fu. Thanks for everything. Julie Newmark. Love Julie. Newmark. Love, yep. love Julie Newmark. Film in Nebraska. Absolutely stunning film. You have Patrick Swayze, you have Wesley Snipes, and you have John Leguizamo as proper drag queens, right, Lacey? Um, this is a tough, a tough one because you need to stop and, and be able to distinguish between what drag is and mm-hmm. what trans is. Trans, yeah, right? that's because I think that they really were trans women, but they perform drag, and it's very similar to our Untouchables. They are mostly trans women who perform drag. Drag is a performance art, and trans is who they are. Is there, there are, what they identify as. Mm-hmm. So, movies like that are f- super fun. I mean, Wesley Snipes. Um, wait, he was in that movie, right? Yeah, Wesley yeah. Snipes. It, to see them do this and kind of like step out of their um, action, you know, heartthrob roles. I think. It's a, it's a great departure. Nowadays, people... Well, this in particular was really good in that movie. You know, they, uh, people kind of smirk on that, like, oh, why are you taking away our roles, right? Um, LGBTQ roles. But it was a different time, I think, and, and it's good to see acting chops kind of... I mean, they're open-minded. Why would you do that movie if you weren't mm-hmm. open-minded? And there's another movie very similar to that. Um, Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Right. Yeah. Uh, With he, yeah. Uh, Hugo... Weaving. Hugo Weaving. Right. From The Matrix. From The Matrix. Yeah. Mr. And, and see, for, for not even for old Hollywood, like not, not all the way back to the black and white films, but even like as recently as, as the 80s and maybe even the early 90s, taking gay roles was always somewhat of a little bit of a risk, and then it became a challenge. You know, can you actually embody the spirit of this character? And then, you know, as, as the culture became more embraced and more beloved and more... Um, more a fabric of, of who we are as a society than it became okay well and now we um, we have that as part of as part of the cast and it's, it's wonderful to see right that. we're evolving I mean it's not perfect we still have great actors who mm. who perform in gay roles or trans roles I remember being blown away the first time I saw Philadelphia I saw Philadelphia in mm. Timooning at the old Hoffaday one theater uh, I saw it on a matinee oh. Friday ah. Tom Hanks for which he won the Academy Award for Best Actor, um, plays, plays of course, opposite um, Denzel Washington. Mm-hmm. They're both lawyers. Tom Hanks is suffering from... Does he, does he specifically say... No, yes, he mm-hmm. says he has AIDS. Um, you guys familiar with that movie? Have you guys ever seen that movie? Like heard about it. Part, I feel yeah. like I've seen a clip or two online. Yeah, it's, like, it's 93, so for, it's... Um, yeah, yeah, I think for general movie watchers and buffs, that's a big... It's an important movie, and if you are young and, and a part of the community, you should yeah. watch that movie, yeah. I guess. It's all right. I like it. Yeah. It, 
absolutely amazing film. Um, there's like three or four scenes that will, I don't care who you are, it's going to make you no. cry. But it, but it also showed Denzel Washington's, um, he even says, you know, the way, he, the way he was brought up, he was very hesitant to that kind of thing, and then he mm-hmm. grew to, to accept, to love, and to understand. That's beautiful. Yeah. I feel like, I guess, a modern version of that with, like, two straight actors in real life playing two gay people in love on the big screen is Call Me By Your Name, which I've heard, like, a lot of different things from. But because I read the book and I fell in love with it before I watched the movie, even though, like, behind the scenes you didn't get that... Um, gay representation with the actors just the way that they portrayed the love story was so beautiful to me and yeah I don't have a place to say like if it was fetishizing or like eroticizing gay love but just after reading the book and like seeing like the passion that both of the um, you know Elio and what's his name oh my god Elio and the other boy um, fell in love was like very beautiful to me and it was shot so beautifully that like I couldn't, not like, n- not a bone in my body hated it because it was just done perfectly and true to the book. But then, I, I don't know, I've heard different things from, like, different friends in the LGBTQ plus community that say, like, it was amazing and, like, this is the love story I've always wanted to see on screen versus I feel like this was just a one-time fling thing and it was very wrongly represented because it was, like, a guy who, who was sure he was gay versus a guy who was maybe bi, maybe gay, and was kind of, like, testing it out on this younger um, male. So, yeah, I loved it, though. If you haven't seen that one, please. But read the book first is my... Yeah, I recommend that movie as well because I didn't watch Brokeback Mountain until maybe a year ago, maybe, because we watched it for a film studies class. And mm. then I ended up watching Call Me By Your Name, and I thought that was, like, a really good parallel because they yeah. come off as really similar, and people would say that it's more of, like, a modern Brokeback Mountain but I really did like the way it was because I didn't see that as a gay cinema movie. I just saw that as a romance movie because yeah. it wasn't, there was no character that was represented as like, yes, queen, work, 10 cents, 10 cents the board. It was just mm-hmm. a normal male, another normal male who fell in love. It's, it's so refreshing to be able to watch something and you're not a trope. You know, you're not this character that, this generalization. and, and Yeah. And no one's laughing at you kind of. Yeah. I felt like that was one of the first films. And then Love, Simon right after where like you weren't entertained by the gay character you you like you were relating with them guam may be a little island in the middle of the ocean but this paradise is teeming with people with all sorts of amazing abilities benita baby was nothing but hair accessories (laughs) i had some little barrettes um, that we were making and headbands our little like knit bow headbands and that's all i started out with and i decided shortly after you know i had been sewing for a little while that i was going to put it out there Whether it's artists who create visual masterpieces, creatives inspiring others, people who compose and perform moving pieces of music, athletes taking their game to the next level, or entrepreneurs coming up with innovative solutions, there are a ton of folks here doing incredible things with their gifts. And I want to introduce them to all of you. Women, not just guys, women could come in and feel like they're there to train, they're going to be taken serious, they're they're not going to be hit on by dudes, they're going to have their own space. You know, I mean, they're going to be respected as just another practic- practitioner of, of this martial art. I'm Jonagan Charfris, and I invite you to join me on the KUAM Podcast Network for Fistful of Talent, where I sit down with people discussing their visions and dreams and sharing the secrets of their success. In the avenues of, mm-hmm. yeah. of yeah. you know, being in the creative life and then what's, what's the next thing? Just subscribe to the KUAM Podcast Network on SoundCloud iTunes, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcatcher platform, and prepare to be amazed. That's Fistful of Talent each and every Friday. Thanks for listening. And now, let me get you back to your show. Yeah, and that's like one thing that I really wish that I'm waiting for to happen is when I can just go into a movie and be like, it's just a regular movie that would have like a, maybe a homosexual relationship. I just want to go in and be like, it's just a regular movie and not me preparing to see some sort of representation of myself on screen being like, you know, this is a gay movie. I'm watching one. I just want to go in and watch a movie with a romance mm-hmm. between two men, two women, two gender. It's just... 
And I can buy that actors are actors and they act, but, I mean, as we move forward with inclusion, that's where sometimes it's, it is important to have gay people act in gay movies and yeah. to include them because they're just, they just aren't that many. Yeah. It's really the wrong thing. And how, I, do you, how do you guys, I'm, I'm sorry, um, how do you feel about that? Because so many, like our boss actually, Noe's mom actually pointed that out a few hours ago. She was saying, historically, so many movies that might be considered gay cinema were written and or directed by straight men. Yeah, and no. now you've got more opportunity. You've got you've got a sense of a more genuine voice. It's Hollywood, though. Yeah. Welcome to Hollywood. Yeah. Ma- mainstream um, movie production companies there they don't do well with with these kinds of stories. Did you guys watch that movie? It was on Netflix a while ago, but Tangerine. I think it's back on. Tangerine Netflix. is so fantastic. Oh, Did you guys man. watch Tangerine? Not yet. No, it's that actually on my trouble. list. Put it on I've heard okay, about that out, one. Okay, I see you've got your, no. uh, was it, your, everything your set up. Tablet in front of Let you me tell you, Tangerine right is one of the movies that I, decide, I wanted to talk about, too, because this is a movie that was, number one, everybody thought was innovative because it was shot on an iPhone 4S yep. back oh, in 2000 and, like, this. I don't know. It was a long time ago when 4Ss were a thing. Um, but, of course, they had other equipment. I knew it was an iPhone. I didn't re- realize it was, it was a 4 4S. Because I was interested in, like, oh, what is this movie? And I watched it. And it was so much fun and also very endearing and trashy at the same time. Mm-hmm. But this is a movie about trans women working, working women. And practically in real time, the entire um, film. Yeah, they are. It's like L.A., I think. And they're, one trans woman comes out and, they're, like I said, they're sex workers, really. So in a way, they're, they're showing, I mean, these are kind of, a lot of trans people are pushed to the, the fringe, even still now. And before, for sure, that's all they had was sex work. It's the only thing that they could do um, for a lot of people. But that, it's like they're running around town looking for a girl who was sleeping with her pimp or something like that. And it was, it's so funny. And and you're not even thinking, you know, I mean, the trans part, of course, it's one of them, but they're trans, they're prostitutes, um, um, they're just kind of like ratchety girls, or one of them is at least. She, she's got a, she's got a very quick temper. <laughs> right. I, I mean, they're they're street. You know, people who live on the streets, basically, mm-hmm. and it's it's a lot of fun. But I like the fact that it does show a part of kind of you know it's this is for a lot of people, it's their life. That's an amazing film. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Nathan, I'm sorry, you were saying. Oh, no, I was pretty much going to say, like, the whole representation of um, how a lot of gay characters are being played by straight men or straight women, and then after I've seen interviews where they go, oh, I know I played this character, I'm really happy to have, but then when fans go and ask them about any sort of gender orientation or um, sexual orientation, they go and they're like, oh, no, um, I do support, but I'm not, like, it's... They're somewhat ashamed after playing the role with any questions that they come up with, and I just thought that was one issue that I have with the whole Hollywood industry and the film industry. That so it's very disingenuous. So they're just doing yeah, it for a paycheck. Yeah. It can come off as that, but like mm-hmm. I get, like I do fully. I'm grateful for like the representation that they're doing for us by trying to help get people's stories out, like uh, movies that are based on true stories. But I don't feel as if it's fully what they want. Like they don't fully want to represent us, just because any sort of question they have to break it down and be like, "I'm not of your sexual orientation." But I am supporting you. Is there anyone in particular that disappointed you? I'm a big fan of him, but Nick Robinson, the whole issue, uh, there wasn't a big issue about it, but I, it was the whole, mm -mm, that, when he was confronted by fans being like, oh, so are you, that whole thing with like Nick Robinson and Shawn Mendes, just that whole, I don't know how to explain it. Because you would think actors would be honored, and 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 people would go up and say, you represented us well and we support you you would think that would be something that that they would hold near and dear to them especially because his love interest is a i feel like he's a very like significant activist for oh yes yes he's so beautiful on instagram and like so graceful with how he talks about the community and i don't know just kind of to be rough with talking about his sexual orientation i remember that and i was like no canceled um but i feel like another side to it is what richard madden madden is going through right now so he's coming off of the elton john movie rocket man and um there are rumors coming in and like pictures of him like holding hands with and like going on dates with sam smith's ex-boyfriend and every time he's asked something it's not like he goes i'm straight or something like that it's it's kind of like he's going through a personal metamorphosis. Like, you could see before the public's eyes that he's, like, 
still questioning his sexuality, which I feel is a really refreshing thing because I feel like no one has really done yeah. questioning their sexuality. It's a spectrum. Like, even if you say you're, like, you know, this... I'm not going to get into, like, the whole percentages thing because James Charles just, like, did that and it was so bad. But, my sister. Yeah, oh, my God. Goodbye. <laughs> um, but I feel like it's really beautiful that, like, this manly man who, like, people define as straight because of his role in Game of Thrones is kind of being, like... You, I've never really talked about this, so like I'm going to define myself on my own terms, mm. which is cool. And there are plenty of, of allies who are loved, you know, within the gay community. Um, I'm trying to think of one, like Rachel Rachel Weiss. Did you guys watch Disobedience? Oh, Rachel, Rachel Weiss. Oh, yeah. my gosh, that was such Rachel, a good Rachel job. Weiss in oh. real life, Mrs. Uh, 007. She's married to... Uh, um, Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig, yes. See, I didn't even oh. know that, but um, wow. disobedience. I think that's if you haven't seen it, put it on your list. And it's I'm adding all these movies. Although right now. I'm like, <laughs> this is a thing like gay, like lesbian movies, and we have to also make a distinction there too. Um, we all have different experiences. Trans people are different from lesbians, are different from gay people, and so maybe we should start saying LGBTQ. Yeah, movies. that's true. Yeah. But I mean, there's it's going to be different. I mean, you can subcategories and subcategories yeah. and subcategories, like. Uh, um, Tangerine is kind of a trans movie, but that's just a great movie. That I, I mean, they're trans characters. It's great to just see them, see people, people as people, on the screen. It's fantastic. Okay, I've got two recommendations for you. I highly doubt if any, if any of the three of you have watched this, I would be very surprised. But years ago, I was poking around on Netflix and I found um, a pair of movies, incredibly beautiful, older, phenomenally fit actress. Her name is Drea Weber. Um, she's actually an aerialist in real life, and she's been like a uh, like a personal trainer. She's a producer. She's an act. She's in two movies. One came out in '06 called uh, "The Gymnast," and then she made one in 2010 called uh, "A Marine Story." Technically, they are movies about her own same-sex relationships and the trouble of being um, at the time being a marine officer. And also being uh, being a lesbian, but the films are tremendous. They are really, really good. They will they will blow you away. And and again, I don't see them as as LGBTQ cinema. They're just really, really good movies. And, uh, and they're probably drama, dramas or you know romance movies. I mean, a big part of these are, and Incredible. I think that's what you like, Nathan. Right, the struggle the, yeah. that people go through. They're um, with a lot of lesbian movies. They're just a lot of the same kind of story arcs, you know. There's a struggle also, of who they are, overcoming that, finding love. It's almost the same kind of pattern. Very specific patterns, actually, with yeah. with lesbian movies. Yeah, it's like... And <laughs> they usually, like, fall in love with a married woman. Yeah. Said, Somebody <laughs> always dies. Actually, listen, you've said this many times before, and you said you, you've always felt that LGBTQ cinema regardless of what the, the plot is and everything, winds up being somewhat of a tragedy. It's, it's oh, Yeah, someone always dies. It's A lot of it is drama. Just the same... If you just watch these movies, they're the same kind of patterns. Even Disobedience, which was about um, a woman in a very old-fashioned Jewish community. She had to leave that community. I mean, I can't think of what... What do you call it? They're um, Hasidic the Jews. Communion. No, they're not Hasidic Jews. No. They're... They're Orthodox Jews, and she leaves, and she comes back, and she's kind of in love with her childhood friend, and it's it's always that like society against you type of thing, and I want to see more movies that where we're just a part of society. Well, you know what's what's one movie that that I found? It's one of my favorite movies of all time that incorporates a lot of these things. It incorporates the struggle, but also takes you literally into the household of. A male gay couple and shows you, you know, their their community, their sense of family, their sense of is the birdcage, and it is the funniest movie I swear you are ever going to watch. Robin Williams and Nathan Lane. Have you um, seen the birdcage, guys? No, I'm adding that right now. Wow, no, there's so it's many another kind of like '90s. Is it '90s kind of like '89? I think or, or, yeah. or '90. It's. You will be laughing from beginning to end. I just feel like, again, gay people become that caricature of of the effeminateness. See, I never actually... Well, okay. Not that it's bad. It's funny. Okay, Nathan Lane, (laughs) as as Nathan was saying, Nathan Lane played up that role. He was the mother figure in in the family. So, you know, he was a little bit more of like the Yas Queen, like you said. Robin Williams was... 
the father figure. Right. But he even talked about it and he goes, you know, it, it took me 35 years for me to realize who I was. I'm not, I'm not going back. And now his son, who he had from a previous relationship, is going to marry the daughter of this uppity Republican senator. And they have to kind of like, you know... To see if it can work. And they actually yeah. own this they own this uh, drag club in Miami. So the whole that environment is... of the, and, and it's actually based that's based on a French play, I believe, right, Lacey? Mm. I don't remember. But yeah, I mean it's fun. Yeah. Who doesn't love uh, Robin Williams? So and Nathan Lane, but he's it's um But it's but it's funny, yeah. but you're not, you're not laughing at them. You're laughing like right along with them, and it's you know the the jokes are never at their expense, and that's that's what I like about the movie so much. It paint, it painted them in such a positive like light, and it's like yes. And when I went to college at like UOG, I know so many um, friends of mine that either came out of the closet, and you know, I played volleyball, and I was a part of the volleyball community, which you know, no big secret, two thirds of the volleyball community tends to be gay. Yep. Um, and that's a wonderful thing, you know. I mean, you know. Um, but yeah, the the birdcage you should definitely watch. That's How about amazing. you, Nate? You guys have do you have a recommendation? Um, I was just gonna say um, it's on Netflix. It's called Hurricane Bianca. It feature it's an independent mm-hmm. film made by um, the winner of RuPaul's Drag Race season six. I'm a big RuPaul's Drag Race fan, so, so much, any so sort of movie or television show that's a spinoff of that show featuring a queen on that show, I will fully 100% support. So it's called There's Hurricane Bianca, and then her second movie, which is called Hurricane Bianca from Russia with Hate. So it's supposed to be like, you know, from so-and-so with love, but it's with hate. But I really like the movie because it, it brings out the idea of, um, it's more of a comedy movie. And that's one thing that I like about it, that it's not singled out as a LGBTQ-centered film. I can, would consider it straight-up comedy. So it's really funny. I like it. I, that's one thing I do recommend. Because there's a bunch of drag queens in it that bring out the comedy and the fun of drag. Because drag always isn't... Um, there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's just really funny. That's all I'm yeah, going to say. Especially if you're a RuPaul fan. If you, haven't, yeah. if you haven't seen that and you are a RuPaul fan, you're not a RuPaul fan. Yes. And we're <laughs> actually looking at the, the Netflix profile page right now. TVMA it's rated. Yeah. Yeah, so it's... I think it's about a teacher who... Yeah, it's about a teacher who right. gets... It's um, the drag queen winner, Bianca. She becomes a teacher as a male, but her boss finds out that she's gay, so she gets kicked out, or she gets um, fired from her job. But she comes back as a drag queen to get her job back. But they don't know that she's actually the, the, the teacher who was previously fired. So it's just the whole situation. And then Spoiler she, alert. Oops. <laughs> just kidding. Oopsie poopsies. <laughs> I also fun. love that in the genre section, it's labeled a campy movie, which I'm sorry. I After looking at like the Met Gala pictures, there was not enough representation No one knows what camp queens. is. Oh, no, my Literally goodness. no one knows. If you think you know, go back and look at everyone's pictures and you best... You best better say that Beyonce was the only one that did it. Or not Beyonce, Lady Gaga, I'm sorry. Wrong queen. But it was like, (laughs) no one knew what it was. And also, drag was a huge part of the camp theme, like, in history. So no one really did that except for um, Lena. Yes. And her guests. That was a beautiful homage to black drag queens. Um, but yeah, that's a that's a cool thing. Yeah, like and then that. a lot of that also came from the whole ball, ballroom scene, like Paris is Burning. Back to that. Yes. So, okay, in- interesting angle now because we've talked on this podcast sometimes about movies that inadvertently, you know, they're they're not necessarily written for any particular um, audience, but for for one reason or another, they wind up resonating with the LGBT community. I know. Two, Lacey and I are probably going to argue about this, but I, I've read over the past few years they're, the and they're both horror movies. The Babadook. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Really oh, my God. Okay. No. Spe- speak on that, please. <laughs> Just keep saying it's not a thing, Jason. It became like a like a it joke. Was a joke. Yeah. Was that, was it was a joke. Or, or is it, is, does it actually resonate with the LGBTQ <laughs> I personally think that that was just like an issue with the whole file because it ended up being in the LGBTQ category. That's what happened. That's yeah, what happened. exactly. But then, Pete, okay, from like an academic perspective, I don't know if you went through this, but film professors took it and ran. They were like, okay, oh, yeah. we could see queer theory in horror stories. Got it. You're Amazing. reaching. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, I love my nutty professor um, that I did my Frankenstein theory from or with, but she was getting too crazy with my theory. She was like, you should put the Rocky Horror Picture Show as your number one film. I'm like, okay, compared to a film actually called Frankenstein. Film, yeah. It's an amazing film. But, like, for a theory about, like, Frankenstein, like, I don't know. <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, people you know, just took it. The and Babadook ran. is not an LGBTQ 
film. No, 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 no I wasn't saying that it was. Or like, but was beloved it. by the LGBT community. Okay, okay so, so, that, so that, joke, one, yeah. that one's probably it's a hard no. A but one thing that I do yeah. know, and this isn't like one of those internet myths, <laughs> is, and this, is, this movie probably predates everybody in this room except for me, uh, is A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2. The one that most people would, would discount because it doesn't exactly follow along with like all the other the storyline of all the other movies. But the main protagonist in that movie um, is a character named Jesse, and that actor uh, was an apparent and is a gay man. Uh, but the way he performed the character, they just said like there were other gay men that watched it, and they were like, okay, there's so much about the way he played that which speaks to me on on a variety of levels, and not just that you know he was. He grew up in this house where there's this guy who comes in, you know, torment, you know, uh, terrorizing in his dreams. He said yeah. he actually represented us well, like Nathan was saying. Yeah. But yeah. he was playing a straight character. Oh. Oh. Yeah. And that's a, there, there's a really okay. I'm probably describing mm. it wrong, but there's a really really good <laughs> there's a really good documentary about it, and you can watch it for free. It's on like YouTube and everything. But if you look that up and like see it, and you know, he even says, you know, the whole thing was kind of like a goof. He goes, I I never shied away from from who I am, um, but at the same time. Um, you know, I welcome, again, the praise that, that I've got. And he goes, I've got an entire community to represent for me. And he goes, this is a chance for me to do something positive in the world. Mm. still don't mm. think it's considered, like, great LGBTQ cinema. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Horror cinema, mediocre, perhaps, but... What do you think yeah. of the It's a scary movie anyway. It's all right. Yeah. yeah. It's not, like, yeah. my cup of tea. I look more for, like, thriller types and, like, paying tribute to you know classic monsters like frankenstein and dracula i'm weird like that mm. i can't watch like paranormal activity that's touching too close to home yeah mm. i i mean i te- used to tease my dog that she was the babadook like she looked like the <laughs> babadook no. so i watched the movie and liked it enough to call my dog the no babadook. i don't know whether i want to ask you what that's all about or just like conveniently like, too close to home with paranormal activity I, okay, I feel like if you live on a very traditional, or if you live in a very traditional community, i.e. Guam, you just have a different understanding of the spirits that, like, people in the States don't have. Mm, I generally just don't mess with them. And so I don't want to watch films in which they're messing with them. Out of respect. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And your your dad is one of the toughest, strongest dudes I have ever met in my life. I mean, your your dad is like a man's man, and I, I I have had many conversations with him, and he said he will not watch The Exorcist. No, he goes, I cannot stomach that. He will run out of the theater. He won't watch The Exorcist. He won't watch The Passion of the Christ. Yeah. Like there, not he just does not. And he came from like a more traditional household, so that what makes a sense. great movie though, The Exorcist. Yeah. Not a gay LGBTQ movie though. Very, yeah, <laughs> I'm the opposite. I love movies like that. Like if there's as many ghosts and as many spirits as as many demons, I'm ready for it. I'm You're walking so in brave. there with the rosary and I'm like, let's do this. You're okay, so have, there, have there been LGBTQ characters in kind of off standard, but in in horror movies? Hmm. I can't think of one off the top of my head, but I already can kind of guess the character that they're going to play. They're going to play the very scaled, frail little gay, yes, queen, yeah. and he, running he out. Died. Yeah, Likely they die first. Likely I feel dies. like in one of the screams, there must have been. Yeah. Hmm. I can't remember. Um, but I feel like uh, that kind of representation hasn't been established yet. Like other minority groups, such as like the black or POC groups. Like, because, you yeah. know, okay, again, for people, for people that are old as I am, there's this trope, right, in, in traditional 80s slasher horror movies, and they call it the final girl theory. You can look this up, you know, anybody listening to this right now on, on SoundCloud, um, on the KOM Podcast Network, look up final girl theory, but it was coined by these, um, by these film study students getting their PhDs, and they basically said that in 80s horror movies, society at the time was not ready to actually... Um, comprehend that a woman would have the the strength and the character to be able to fight the ultimate evil and then and then defeat it. Whether it was a ghost, a chainsaw wielding maniac, yeah. a, someone running out of you know of the forest, mm-hmm. whatever. So that character would typically be uh, that was the one that was very virginal, didn't do drugs, didn't smoke, didn't drink, kind of like a little bit weird on, on the quiet side, and had a very androgynous name like Chris or Pat. Mm. Um, very you know. Ooh. Not going one way, and and they said the reason they did that was the movie was engineered that way so that audiences could feel a little bit easier with seeing like a woman like Sigourney Weaver and aliens being able to possess what was seen as typically masculine strength that could go up against you know mm. the queen of the aliens. But 
again, thank God we are way that, past that. That yeah. is an issue. Yeah, yeah, that is. Well, ooh, now that you mentioned like 80s chainsaw horror, Ryan Murphy's new season of American Horror Story is <gasps> called 1984. So I'm excited. He might bring representation into that. But also, I'm kind of getting over the show. He's, like, done everything he can under the sun with it. And, like, I just want it to be over. But maybe he's done a lot of great things, I feel like, for representation on the larger screen. Nice. Okay, so uh, final thoughts. Let, um, let's wrap up. Any any other angles you guys want to take or any other movies, movie recommendations? There are plenty of, so of movies that are coming out or are out um, that we should be anticipating. Booksmart is... One, um, look at you, yeah, he's, I've not heard of Jason's that. looking at me puzzled. Olivia Wilde directed <gasps> it. Yeah. Mm. And uh, one of the, How there are two main this? characters and one of them is a lesbian and she's very like, she's not what you would think of as like a teenage lesbian in different types of entertainment. She's like her best friend, a book nerd who hasn't gone out and hasn't party or anything i haven't seen it yet but i've watched so many interviews about it and i'm dying to watch it i am too Same. it looks so good and just uh, i, love I kind of wore this color because in the show like in the previews um the one friend is wearing this Beanie. like uh yeah this mustardy colored long sleeve yeah turtleneck thing it looks hilarious all right so that's a big thing there's another one that um I don't know how I'm going to watch this movie. It's the, um, gosh, should I write it down? It's the one with, with Wild Nights with Emily. It's the kind of like biopic about Emily Dickinson. No? No one's oh, heard of this? Wait, Molly wait, Shannon? Wait, wait. Yes, yes, someone told me about that, and I'm so excited. And there's another one. Oh, Kate McKinnon is doing something, too. About oh, and she's someone. a big LGBTQ. I love Kate. Yeah. She's a lesbian. Uh, phenomenal. And yeah. Also, mm. I haven't seen Rocket Man, but I've been watching. Hasn't she won the one like the uh, was it the um, uh, what, what is the uh, the Pride Month award? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know Kate McKinnon's won that, but she's well, incredible. Glad she's is the one that watches Glad. the the, the, the yeah. media. Yeah, but that there's um. You haven't heard of Wild Nights with Emily? No. Emily Dickinson apparently was not this kind of like shut-in that everyone wants to, that that you believe she was a lesbian apparently, well, according mm-hmm. to this movie. I, yep. I love Mo- Molly Shannon, so. I'm excited, <laughs> and I, lo- I love when like the lives of classical writers are just revealed and everyone's like, what? Like um, the theory that Shakespeare had two affairs and both of his lovers were his main writers is like amazing to me, but oh, I love it. Um, but going off of like movies to look forward to with representation, I know a lot of people and the, the actors too in interviews are talking about it in um, Rocket Man. I f- they've said it. I don't know if it's true, but in interviews they said it. It's going to be the first um, gay love scene on the big screen. I don't know how true that is. I don't know, but what? that that's what Richard Madden keeps saying in interviews. I'm like, did I, they not watch Brokeback Mountain? Brokeback Mountain. I, know I feel Mountain. like they didn't. I feel like they must have forgotten it, but they keep talking about it, and Taron Egerton, that's all he talks about in interviews. Okay, like, well, was Brokeback Mountain truly the first gay love scene? Uh, Probably not. I, I think if you're talking about major cinema, if you're talking about the major movie, that's Ang Lee. Was that an Ang Lee yeah. movie? Then it could be it could be one of the the mainstream mainstream movies. Hmm. Um, we don't have enough time to Google that, but uh, like it really was a gay narrative, and I can't even think of a movie, another movie within that mainstream theater. What is there another movie like that? Hmm. Before that, I can't. Hmm. I don't know. No. Yeah. And speaking of the modern era, I'm wondering was were there any characters? Oh, in Game of Thrones, who were gay? Yeah, uh, yeah, they were. Yeah. yeah, I didn't watch the show. So. What's his name? Well, I don't know why he likes to bring that up. He doesn't watch the show. Not really. Heady though. <laughs> Have you yeah. watched the first episode yet? I think so. Yeah. Um, I just watched recaps. The, the from Queen. Me. What's her name? Cersei. 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 Well, well, she, okay. I don't watch the show, but I, but I know. I know okay, a hell of so Lena Heady yeah. also hell played in incest. Because if you're asking about great LGBTQ cinema she plays in this movie called imagine me and you or something and she's this lesbian uh florist who falls in love with a married woman and although it's a great woman again it's like the same 
married woman thing, married woman. And I mean, not that that's never happened before. But um, <laughs> I, it's, it just gets tiring. But Lena Headey, if you're thinking about like, if you're trying to bring in a Game of Thrones Everybody's going to remember character. her as Cersei. I just always remember her as yeah. Leonidas' wife from 300. So. She was also in um, the T, the Terminator like series when they had it on NBC, I think. There yeah, was a Terminator oh. show? Num- yeah, mid-2000s, maybe. Wow. Oh. I wonder how long that lasted. I mean, the only reason I know that is because I watched this movie, and then she was in it at the kind of the same time. Well, I'll tell you what. Wow. The, the new Terminator movie is assumedly coming to Tango Theaters in very short order, so I know we're going to go watch that. And I'm still counting down to Lion King. July 19th. I'm so yes. I will be there. Man. Yeah, Li- Lion King, we are totally going to be Okay. Let's wrap up. Uh, Nathan, your, any final suggestions or any final thoughts you'd like to offer? Um, if you guys want to watch like a nice, cutesy, little lighthearted moment, but um, GBF, it has, what's her name? Sasha Patrice? Yeah. Yeah. It's really funny. It's, it kind of goes with the story of like two different um, gay men who, someone who's a little bit more flamboyant and someone who's a little bit more, I guess you could say, in the closet kind of thing. So there's two different storylines. It's kind of funny. I like it. I recommend it 100%. Interesting. Okay, Noe, and since this is your fourth appearance on the podcast and everything like that, we'll give you the final word. Any final recommendations you can give? Who needs Netflix? We need Noe's recommendations. <laughs> well, now that you mentioned it, it just came onto Netflix, I think, last week. Um, Moonlight. We haven't talked about it. Um, just amazing on so many different levels, from like the cinematography to the story to the black representation to the gay representation i uh, just please watch it if you haven't right this yeah. is the one that was up for the oscar and i did watch it as soon as it yeah. it hit netflix i did i've been waiting to watch it and it beat la la land <sighs> and it beat la la land i didn't even watch la la land no. i'm excited <laughs> It was, it was not that was good. good. I'm sorry. I feel like, I mean, when we're, again, talking about representation, I think that's that's a story. That's that's a lot of what people still have to struggle yeah. through. Yeah. All right. So it, bet- between the four of us, we've got like 400 hours of streaming video to <laughs> no. watch. So we've got our work cut out for us, at least for the next uh, week. So we hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And most of that is um, is Nathan's iPod right, iPad right now. Got a bunch of stuff you got to watch. So, I know. Thank you, everybody, for um, listening to us. Tango Theaters, remember, go check out Dark Phoenix this weekend because we will be there. We are super stoked to go watch that. And make sure to subscribe, rate, and review to all of these shows on our KUM Podcast Network. We certainly appreciate you guys doing so. And we will see you guys next week. Okay, bye. 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 Piper Parable was also one of those women who got stuck into these gay roles. I have.